Hello, and welcome to How to Fail at College. This is a podcast about how to survive college or fail miserably trying. Did I get it right? You're still struggling with that word. As I am still struggling with that word. I'm Paul Crowley, though. I'm Carl Beckham. (laughs) And Carl, um, I thought we were going to be better at this. We're not. Yeah, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) But I actually get to see you today. I haven't seen you since, what, last Friday? No, we saw each other for like five minutes on Monday. Uh, Yeah, But I was busy. Yes, you were. Yeah. (laughs) Our schedules are going to overlap a little bit more, maybe, this semester, so we can um, do more of these podcasts. Yeah. In theory. In theory. (laughs) In practice, we'll see how it goes. Uh, We did have an interesting topic, though, that we wanted to to cover today. Um, You can see the title of the show, Evolve or Die. You want to explain a little bit about that, Carl? Uh, So we actually had the idea for this back last semester. It springs out of the three weeks of class that we missed due to the hurricane followed by the flooding followed by the just chaos. <laughs> um, so this is kind of looking at how either professors or students respond to those giant kerfluffles that can happen and alter schedules and syllabi so drastically, such as missing three weeks of class. Yeah, because it had happened to us before, but it was just like a week or so when there was like a snowstorm. I think it was two weeks for that flooding. Yeah. Which was chaos. And you have to adapt to it. And, you know, sometimes it's just skipping some stuff or truncating some of the lesson plans or offloading it. Hey, do this quick assignment, that's going to count us for that chapter. But you do have to make some adaptations, and some of that requires adapting the syllabus, too. What was it you did this past semester? So with the three weeks, I was able to, for the most part, get back up and running almost, I think, like day two back, and we were already back where we were supposed to be on the schedule. So some of it was, here's an assignment. Here's a quiz that I want you to go do online, and once you finish that quiz, we can check mark that we covered that content. And for the other stuff, I would do it very briefly in class and have some other maybe assignment tied to it to say that we covered it. I just made sure we spent extra time when we like reviewed for the test, ah, so they understood everything. That was it's similar to what I did. The only the biggest drawback for me was in a uh, one hundred two class, just because of how those are structured and the regimented X amount of essays per semester that we have to do, I ended up having to drop a unit on drama, which I just kind of folded into some of the other work. It was not treated as extensively as I typically do it during the semester. It was just kind of washed away a little bit. Yeah, some material tends to get shortchanged. And there's some other professors, they go through and actually plan this into their schedule. They have like two or three days that they have as buffers and they can take out or add to as they need to. I haven't got to that point yet where I'm that fancy with everything, but I mean, it I'll works. just, I'll just go with the flow. I do it as I do it when I can. I, I try and have at least like one buffer day built in per semester per course, just in case something comes up because there's always some chaos coming for us. 
That's a very nihilistic point of view to have. Uh, I am the nihilist. <laughs> you are the optimist, sir. I do like to think that things are going to be okay, and that I'll just cross that bridge when it comes to it. Yeah. All things move towards entropy. Yeah. I mean, but so students have to adapt to that. We have to adapt to that. Sometimes, you know, the hurricane coming, it's anticipated. Mm-hmm. It's it was very slow moving. I think it was like three or four miles per hour as it was making its way towards us and through the state, and we knew the flooding was going to be bad. So we were anticipating being out, maybe not as long as we were, because we didn't know the flooding was going to be as bad as it was. But we could prepare for that a little bit. We can kind of have in our mind, this is what we want to do here, this is what we want to do there. And we had the you know, the, the time available to do it. We don't always have that, though. No. Um, go, on, go ahead. The, uh, and that's one of those that... I the chaos that I mentioned before, like my little, my son, he gets sick. That means it's a day off of work for myself or my wife. So I have actually been trying this semester, actually last semester I started this after the hurricane, building alternate assignments for each of my classes. So if something comes up, my car breaks down, my kid's sick, I have to stay home. I can just jump on D2L, which is our, Learning platform. Learning platform. Fancy verbiage. Um, and say, hey, here's the case. This is how we're going to make it up. So we still hit all the milestones that we need to. And I am just about done with all of my courses. Look at you getting really fancy over I'm here. I'm trying. <laughs> it only took God knows how long I've been teaching. <laughs> the real question is whether or not the students are going to go back and actually do any of that stuff. Sure. And that was... Um, I think we just actually gave a presentation on a podcast the other week, and I mentioned that one of the tricks I used is posting, <coughs> excuse me, um, lectures, online lectures, just to try to, if not supplement, then in some cases even replace face-to-face lectures. We got a little bit of blowback from that. Like, how yeah. do you make sure? Yeah, some people uh, weren't keen on the idea, but it's like, how do you make sure people are paying attention in your lecture? Because there's some of them who aren't. And we know they're not because we say something, we ask a question about it five seconds later, and they have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> like, I literally just said it. I, no, I have nothing bad to say. I know. <laughs> what can you do? I wasn't actually listening. <laughs> nice. But, I mean, there are a lot of situations, though, that come up unexpectedly. So this isn't affecting us right now, us two personally, but we had somebody who just came on. And they were hired to to teach a certain um, course load. And it turns out at the very last minute they weren't able to because of a a family emergency. And so here we are trying to find five classes that have to be covered by other people. And this is like two days before the semester starts. It's pretty impossible. Um, And it's, (laughs) quite frankly, I don't know how our chair does what she does and I have the utmost respect for that woman but good heavens they have to scramble to cover five classes with yeah the, the new high uh... yeah five classes for one subject not counting all the other disciplines and areas <laughs> that she's responsible for and so like in another one we have an instructor who's going to be out for six to eight weeks and trying to find coverage to cover to have for all those classes, you know, and I've been complaining about trying to figure out, trying to make sure I've got all my stuff in place for what, the week I have jury duty. So it's 
yeah, it's baffling. And for us, it really is, because um, I, I actually took an overload this semester. I got the email, hey, we have these courses. Would anyone be interested? And even after last semester's chaos of an overload, I went ahead and did it. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know, an overload is just an extra class that we're agreeing to teach. Apologies for not clarifying. No, no, no it's just so they know. We typically teach five classes a semester, four over the summer if we're able to, and that's considered full-time. If you teach a sixth or a seventh class, it's called an overload, and you get um, extra money for it, but you also have all of the extra teaching and grading and all the other stuff that goes with the class. Which my mother always makes fun of me, since my extra grading is essays, and it's much more time-consuming than certain someones who have scantrons. Yep. That's me. I tell my students on day one, just so you know, there are no papers in this course because I don't want to read them. They don't want to write them. I don't want to read them. So we'll assess their learning in a different way. I'm I'm glad that I have them psychoanalyze characters from short stories, Paul, so that they at least get their psychology papers in. Well, I mean, you're in English class. It's going to be very hard not to have papers or essays. That's the main way that we want to see if they're The day learning. someone figures out how to write an essay via Scantron, they will be a billionaire. That's true. There we go. So if anyone's listening to this, this is what you need to go to school for, some kind of special computer programming, and figure out how to do that. They'll make a lot of money. They will. <laughs> yeah, but I always tell all my students that there's a difference between a computer programmer and an English major. What if they did both? What if an English major... And undergrad went on to, let's say, Georgia Tech, one of their programs. You're, they have AI programs at Georgia Tech. You are literally ruining an, an entire lecture in all of my classes. Well, just don't have them listen to this. Jeannie well, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't go back in the bottle, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we've been spending all this time talking about how we adapt as professors, but one of the other things that I've run into and was really challenging last semester was students adapting Mm -hmm. Um, it was just kind of uh, once you have things fixed in your mind as how things are going to go as a student and to have the change up come so quickly it can really impact how you take in that information yep Uh, did you run into any instances Um, for the most part I think we were I was good with my classes but I know I heard quite a few stories I think a lot comes down to the teacher and how they're adapt how they're adapting to it, mm-hmm. which then in turn will affect how the students are impacted yeah, by fair. it. Some teachers are more understanding than others. Um, I heard overheard quite a few other of our colleagues not necessarily extending any kind of I don't want to say courtesy, that's not the right word I'm looking for, consideration of the circumstances and they were being pretty strict about when things were due. I, that happens, and I, I do understand where that comes from because you don't want to be, it, it, it's a fine line between mm-hmm. being understanding of individual cases, but also there's that idea of giving too much and being seen as being unfair to the other students. Yeah. So you, it is tricky. Yeah, it's that fine line, like you were saying, because you have to maintain the academic rigor mm-hmm. that we're looking for, too. You can't just give them a free pass on everything. But I mean, if the person just lost their house, you can at least give them a week <laughs> to get some things straightened out. I, I would hope anyone in yes. that situation would do so. Uh, I, Lord, I cannot imagine being in that situation. I know. Fortunately, I, I, I 
did none of my students last semester had it that badly. Mm-hmm. There are some horror stories, but we made it through. Yeah. Because I think what we tend to see and with, with students is, I'm thinking back to my own experiences as well when we were in school, but like if a student has a class canceled, like you had mentioned, mm-hmm. you have jury duty maybe coming up or someone in the family is sick and you can't be there that day. The 14th time I've been called for jury duty in 19 years. He's not bitter about that whatsoever, just so you know. Specific duty, dang Yes. So usually what will happen is a student will get to class because they probably didn't read an email that was sent out, maybe notifying them if one was sent out. So they'll show up, they'll see the postage on the door saying, hey, class is canceled. And the immediate thought is, hey, free day. I don't have to do anything. Even if they do happen to see that part at the bottom, it says, please see D2L, whatever their learning platform is, or please check your email for what you can do for today instead. If by chance they even check that stuff, they're not really going to do anything. It's seen as a, a free day. I'm, I'm thinking of a particular, I had a marine science class that I wasn't really too fond of. And it was 8 a.m. That was probably why. I showed up one time at 8 a.m. saw that notice on the door from like 50 feet away. And I was like, I just got giddy and happy the closer I got to confirming it. And when it said class was canceled for today, it was great. I just went back to my car and took a nap until my next class. <laughs> went back to sleep. <laughs> Should have checked your email. You couldn't come, stay to sleep. Come on. This was like 10 years ago. More than that. They, don't got, they didn't have that kind of stuff going on. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, 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 when I started college, there was no email going to the students. No. It was individualized emails. There was no like list of your students. So I would show up at class and just be and this is gonna sound really nerdy, but I would be so let down the class was canceled. Oh. Because I had shown up. Oh. I had made the effort to show up when I, I didn't gotcha. have to. Yeah. So you'd be upset. <laughs> I'd be upset that I didn't have to go to class when I would had yeah. committed to going to class. Not because I wanted to go to class, because I skipped more than my fair share, Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> I always got frustrated and a little annoyed with my professors, the psych professors I had at Coastal, because every time a class was canceled or someone would skip class, they would always kind of remind us, this is, like, education is the only investment that we make in life where we're okay if we don't get our full money's worth. <laughs> As a student, we should actually be demanding that every single class be done correctly in a certain way, because this is what we're paying for. And yet, if it's not, we're like, eh, it's all right. Yeah. Particularly if it's on the easy part. Hey, easy guys, side. we're going to get out early today. Yay! Yeah. Hey, guys, no class. Yay! Hey, guys, you already paid me for this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you have the, the day-to-day possible adaptations that our students have to make, which they're not going to. They're just going to go nap in the car, right? And then you have the two- or three-week one. That sounds one. filthy. No, I keep, I keep a okay. very clean car. <laughs> But then you have like the longer ones, like we just had with the three weeks. And again, if you're not in one of those situations where you were that impacted by the storm, like because where I was in my neighborhood, we were fine. Most of Myrtle Beach was fine. It was just a little bit on the south end, a little bit on the north end, out my way, um, out towards um, the west side as you head out of the city and everything. But there were a large group of people who were just fine, and so those three weeks were just like an extended vacation for them. And once you have like a vacation mindset, you're not thinking about anything related to school. And that comeback, last semester was one of the, I, I had difficulty readapting. And I think a lot of students really struggle with readapting. Mm-hmm. And I, I do believe it is that, that break, that schism, that three weeks 
right at the beginning yeah, like, too. Yeah. We had what a week and a half, we, two weeks of class or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had just hit that point where we were learning names and getting into the routine, and mm-hmm. it was immediately broken. I actually, my first class back was effectively reteaching my last class out. Yeah, they're not going to remember anything. No. No. At that point, you had missed more class than you had had, and they probably didn't remember who we were at that point. Yeah, as we talked about earlier, <laughs> there are students who just have no idea who is teaching. <laughs> yeah. I have a great one for you. Go it's ahead. It's horribly embarrassing, and I feel terrible for it, but I don't. Um, <clears throat> I... I give diagnostics on the first day of class. You have to explain what that is, too. Uh, so a diagno- I, it's diagnostic essays. My students come in and so that I can get a feel for how they write, how they communicate, what their skill level is. And then I actually supplement my lessons based on what I see from them. So they give you a short writing prompt. You diagnose it to see what's good, what's bad about it. The and psychologist has me diagnose it. Fair yes. Enough. And um, then you were able to adapt from there. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, hey, adaptability. Um, so I came in and I, I, I read off my prompt and I just rattled it off, let my students get started. And then student came in late and I just kind of wrote it out real quick on the board. And a student came up turned in their prompt and said, I think I did that wrong. Okay, spoke for a moment. They said, yeah, the guy that came in before you gave a different prompt than the one you wrote on the board. The guy who came in before you. All right, well, what happened? Um, I had taken my sweater off during class. Oh. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Wow. See, that's really interesting. That's what we call uh, change blindness. (laughs) And so they did studies where they would have a person like holding a map or something and they would stop some random stranger and ask for directions and as the person is looking at the map, the person who stopped them completely switches out and it's it's a new stranger that's standing there and most people don't notice a difference even though we changed something that was right in front of their face. Sounds like a candid camera bit. It is a candid camera bit. I show it in my class. <laughs> they do it with uh, people like taking pictures in New York. And they, like a billboard walks by that someone's carrying. And it's someone new they're taking a picture of. And they don't notice at all. It's pretty bad. And one, and one of them, they, they switched. And they switched back. And the person still didn't know. And they're like talking to them. And they're different accents, different heights. All this, <laughs> all this stuff. We just don't pay attention. Yeah, we are cursed. Yeah. So evolve or die. You know, there's a lot of things that we should be mindful of. We talked a little bit about what we have to do on the professor end. And on the student end, it really is, is up to you to kind of make the, the effort, take the initiative. There's, uh, I don't know what the, the exact phrase or if there is an even a phrase or a quote about this, but we want to be actors, not acted upon. Does that make sense? I think it makes sense. Well, yeah, that makes sense to me. (laughs) Yeah, so if if you're out for an extended period and you haven't heard anything from your professor, you can be acted upon and just sit there and wait. Or you can be proactive and kind of reach out saying, hey, is there anything that we should be doing during this time? And in all fairness, the one thing I would recommend any student who's listening to this, if there is a lapse in communication, if you're waiting to find out what you need to be doing to keep up when there's chaos, when there's change, when the schedules are being cha- being shifted around, follow the initial syllabus. 
Mm-hmm. That material is going to get covered. It's going to get covered a little bit differently. Somebody's going to change it up, but it's going to get covered. Wait a minute. You're saying the best piece of advice for students is to read the syllabus? <laughs> wow. Yes. This and is... learn your professor's name. And yeah. Face. Wow, this is earth-shattering right here. Yeah, it's terrifying. There's a whole Twitter account that pretty much is just read the syllabus. <laughs> and has all these stupid questions that students will ask either to other students or to the teacher. And it's usually other students complaining about them and posting on Twitter and these people like retweet it just like it's on the syllabus it's on the (laughs) syllabus it's on the syllabus it's on the syllabus that is yeah that's good yeah keep it terrifying yep all right so let's do some uh, recommended readings before we finish out uh you want to go first uh sure uh so most recently I I was uh I was in my car driving somewhere on a Sunday and I always listen to NPR because I'm a nerd. I have no choice in the matter. And uh, one of the, I think he is an editor or supervisor for, to the best of our knowledge, uh, his name is Charles Monroe Kane. He was telling a story, uh, and he has just written a memoir called Lithium Jesus. So it's a fascinating book. Um, he had he was diagnosed with, I believe, schizophrenia when he was younger and heard voices and how he managed that and dealt with it and didn't and the bohemian lifestyle that he fell into and the time President George H.W. Bush basically shut him down in a press conference when he was a kid. Oh. <laughs> um, it is incredibly fascinating, wonderfully written in just this manic, strangely fluid kind of hyper, well, realistic, because it's realist, because it's real, um, style, and I just, I blew through that book, 200 some odd pages, I powered through in about two days, Wow. so, Charles Monroe came, Lithium Jesus, I don't read memoirs, I cannot recommend it enough. I should point out at this point, we don't coordinate our recommended readings beforehand. Uh-oh. It just is what it is. So unfortunately, you get two book recommendations today. One from the English professor. That's pretty obvious. Usually, I will recommend a podcast or a TV show or something like that. But I am going to recommend a book. Uh, it's one that I'm almost finished with, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend it because it's been great up until now. It's very, very interesting. Um, my wife got this for me for Christmas. It's called Stiff. And it talks about everything that happens to our bodies after we die. So part of it is just the decay and decomposition part of it. But then if your body is donated to science, how that could actually end up. So you might end up in a gross anatomy lab or some other. Like, I didn't know this. Apparently, your body could be used to help people practice um, nose jobs and facelifts for plastic surgeons. Yep, surgeons. I'm going to say that correctly. Um, your body could be used for bullet testing. It'll shoot your body with bullets. Oh. There's one. Yeah. You can do it for like a crash test dummy, but <laughs> your body. And don't worry, they put you in like a, they said it was like a blue leotard. Can you request certain uses of your body? Uh, no, but I think what it is, depending on what it might be, like the crash test dummies mm-hmm. and the shooting thing. Sometimes they'll have to get extra permission from the uh, from the family just to be safe. And so the, they talk about the fine line of providing information about what they're doing, but not so much that it's going to disgust the family or at the point where they would say no. The, I, totally apropos of nothing. I just recently read a fascinating article on green burial. 
Where you get turned into ashes and they use that to make a tree? No. This no. is like okay. in, instead of... Those, I heard something about that. Okay. Uh, that one, actually, you get... Um, you produce unnatural gases that mm-hmm. can get into carbon because um, you're burnt. Uh, but no, green burial is where they basically just stick you in uh, biodegradable docks mm-hmm. and in the dirt. So you get back to nature. Yeah. And just the, the ramifications, how this is terrible, but how filthy um, traditional burial is and how environmentally unsound and untenable it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nasty. They talk about it. So my wife and I, just a little quick side note, we went to New Orleans a few years ago, and we, we did a bike tour, and they took us by one of the cemeteries, and they showed us how almost every single grave site is actually above the ground because the problem they have with New Orleans because of where they're at in the sea level and everything, in the past, if they buried bodies, once a hurricane or a flood comes in, it just pulls all the bodies out of the ground, and so you can't have that. And so they have these special above-ground tombs well, you put the person in there and then a year later there's like nothing left because these things become like brick ovens and so the only thing left are the bones and so they'll take like this special like well, like some kind of broom or something and they push all the bones to the back and there's like an opening like an open space and they kind of just fall down and so this tomb above-ground tomb it's like your family tomb and so you just put, keep putting new bodies in there, hopefully not dying that quickly. And then you just get pushed back. And so all your bones are with all the bones of your ancestors. I, this took a dark turn. It did. <laughs> just one little quick other side note too. They talk about the funeral industry with morticians and everything they have to do. So this was interesting in that they sold your, uh, they sew your rectum shut. After you're dead, because juices may leak out. That was entirely unnecessary, sir. Don't you want to know that when you're laying I there in that coffin, <laughs> your clothes aren't getting spoiled, so it's not going to look like you crapped yourself? Oh, you're That's working good. blue today. It's a really good read, though. <laughs> the person does it so well because she does it in a very respectful tone to everything, while also adding in some some humor. I'll be a little bit dark humor at times. <laughs> To make to bring some lightness and levity to it. I so stiff by Mary Roach. I am. Oh, I've never been more scared of you. It's a great book. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, folks, that's gonna be it for today. Hopefully, we didn't terrify any of you, or and Paul didn't scare any of you away. Um, pretty please, pretty please, pretty please. As always, subscribe to the show um, through your favorite podcaster or podcast app of choice. Um, But yeah, that's about it. If you want to get in touch with us, none of our contacts have changed. So fail at college. Yep. Cross the board. Yep. Yeah, so just reach out. Thanks for listening. All right. Thank you, folks. Have a wonderful day.